Okay. But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's when you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and sometimes by a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Further review. I'm Derek Lawson here with Frank Vashner. Why you got that look on your face? Oh, I was trying to pull up YouTube TV on my computer and just to see some games going on. And apparently, I can't get it to go. But oh well. Are you on your little network or are you on the the actual UT guest network? I'm actually on my my hotspot on my phone. You might want to use that UT stuff. That UT stuff is fire. Wow, that's Again, shocking. What, what, what do you mean? Yeah, it is. It's actually pretty good internet. I mean, you, you got to have the up-to-speed stuff for the students, obviously. Hmm. Uh, so, Frank, uh, pretty good uh, uh, weekend so far for you. Uh, it is Labor Day weekend, and then also you did some games. I believe you changed your cover photo on your uh, Facebook to you and the crew. Yes, I did. Uh, that picture was taken by uh, Stephanie Hawkins okay. at the uh, SMCC Almont game. We mm-hmm. were all lined up for the na- we were getting lined up for the national anthem. Right. Um so if you look I mean, you look at it, it's also on my Instagram as well. Oh, it, it, oh, it is. Right. Who are those guys? Well, it, we'll go from uh, left to right. Far left is uh, Tom Condon. He's mm-hmm. our headlinesman. Mm-hmm. Who's also, the, the white hat? Who's the white hat? The white hat is Mark Seifert. Mm-hmm. Heard he's a first year white hat. He's been an official for a long time. He's worked other positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy standing in, right in the middle is John Meehan. He's our back judge. He's mm-hmm. a first year back judge. Oh really? He's been. I've worked. I've worked games with John before. Okay. And then our crew chief, the guy standing in right next to Tom, that's Bill Collins. He Who, is who's uh, Bill Collins. He's our crew chief and the umpire on our crew. Okay. He's done like he's done a lot of football games. He's also worked basketball. He's done state finals and softball as well. Really? Oh nice. yeah. Okay, that, that's that's pretty cool. You were with the really good. And where do you fit in? You're the I'm black the line. I'm the li- I'm the line judge. Oh, so you see who's offsides, who does encroachment, and all that stuff. The neutral zone. Yeah. Well, the th- the thing is this year, year this is a new mechanic that Michigan has put in and. I mean, it's being. I'll just say it's being met with mixed reviews. What's that? That the that the line of scrimmage wing officials, which is what I am, and the deep wing officials, like if you have a seven man crew, the field judge, the side judge, you got to switch sides at halftime. Why? That's something that Michigan wanted to try this year. I know they they do that in college. 
There's other states that do it too. I know there's some states that have done it and they said, ah, we don't like it. Because let's say you're on one side, hide line, and coach is fine first half, and then you go to the other side and the other coach is just an AH. Which is basically a hole? Yeah. Okay, okay. And he likes to complain about everything. Complain about everything. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. Uh, so, also, I wanted to ask you, there was something on wild officiating, and that was a about um, the chains for first downs are kind of old school. They need to go to something more precise. Do you believe in that? I do not. Chain. Okay. We ch- I mean, look, I check the chains before every game, make sure they're 10 yards, and if there are, then we're good. If I see a problem with them, we tell them to fix it. Well, they're saying that there's human error with it, basically. That's what I've been heard. Well, for well, when we do measurements, we ba- the crew basically holds on to the chains. Because mm-hmm. everybody on the crew has got to slice the pie, as my crew chief, Bill, likes to put it. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, if, I, if I'm the line judge... I got to come out to where they're bringing them out and mm-hmm. use my foot, foot as a guide. Tom would bring, would grab the clip, clip set the clip down, um, line it up with my foot, make sure we get it all nice and straight. Hey, uh, I think John, our back judge, he would hold. He'd either stay in with the ball. ball Isn't that the, too much? Can't you just go to electronic thing nowadays? I mean, you know, lasers or whatever. I mean, if I'm going <laughs> to tell you the same thing that we, the conversation we had with Dan Jeffrey Sr. when it came to electronic strike zones for baseball. Okay. That technology is only as good as the people who create it. Right. And it's not going to be 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And plus, use that for high school football. That's going to cost a lot of money. That is true. That is true. It, it does cost a lot of money to do that. I mean, well, the thing is, the down boxes are old school as well. You basically got the three levers. It'll mm-hmm. show one, two, three, four. Well, I was watching Michigan State Northwestern, and they had the the uh, the LCD. Oh, they got the LCD one? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I think those are nice because then you don't have to worry about the lever sticking or anything like that. But, again, that stuff is expensive. Okay. It, it, it does seem like it's very expensive. All right. Yeah, I was just, just, just wondering that. Now, we, I guess we're going to get into the high school football. Let's go. And I, I didn't know they started having the LCD screens, by the way. Oh, yeah. Good. That's cool. All right, go. So, so we'll just uh, we'll go. We'll kind of hop around the state. Start over in the Big 8 conference in week two. A couple of notable scores. Now, this is the Big 8 in Michigan, not the old school Big 8. That's not the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, it's in Michigan. Even though there's only seven teams in there because Concord was in there last year, they've dropped down to eight-man football. Ooh, that sucks. <laughs> is that Ann Arbor Con- Concord or Concord? Concord, Michigan, Michigan is uh, out southwest of Jackson. I was actually there last week to do a game. Okay, cool. Aim, and, uh, of course... Speaking of Concord, they got absolutely curb stomped by Britton Deerfield in eight-man action. Okay. Didn't expect that to happen. Curb stomped. Okay. But some games that happened. Mm. Jonesville, 52. Homer, 21. Jonesville, 2-0. and Reading, 30. Grass Lake, 12. I actually worked the uh, JV contest on Wednesday night, and Grass Lake won. It was uh, 29-6. to So that's, the, that's about the notable action from the Big 8. We'll move over to the Cascades Conference. You know a few coaches there. 
Shout out to those Addison Panthers. My good friend Clay Pelham, former co- assistant coach at Dundee. He's now coaching at Addison. They defeat the Manchester Flying Dutchman 42-13. to Mean Michigan Center 42, Hanover Horton, Zippo. Napoleon 54, East Jackson, Zippo. So I've got Michigan Center and Napoleon later in, on in October. That should be a good game. Hey, so we'll continue moving on. Also let them know that's Napoleon, Michigan. Yes, Napoleon, Napoleon, Michigan. Not the Wildcats from Ohio. Yes, they're uh, in the southeastern part of Jackson County. A couple of scores from the Catholic League. Hig, Novi Detroit Catholic Central, or as Mick McKay refers to them, the Vatican. They beat Davison 35-14. Why do they call him the Vatican? I don't know. You'd have to ask Mick that. <laughs> and let's see. Orchard Lake St. Mary's over Hudsonville. 17-15. Pretty close game there. My good friend Brian Sikowski is an assistant baseball coach at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. And also, a game that was scheduled kind of just earlier this week between Warren D. LaSalle and River Rouge after both their opponents backed out, either because of COVID or other reasons. D. LaSalle wins 38-29 over Rouge, so pretty good game there. They're in the Catholic League. River Rouge is in the Catholic League? No, 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 no. They're an, they're an independent, but they but they lost. They were supposed to play Detroit Denby, but Denby apparently... There's talk they may cancel their season. Wow. I really don't know the whole details. Mm-hmm. And DLSL lost their opponent to COVID. So Corey Magic. Parker, the athletic director, decides to call up DLSL and say, hey, why don't we play each other? And they did. And they played a great game. In the future, they might want to schedule Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> oh, okay. I th- let's uh, not turn that into beating a dead horse. Let's yeah. save that for later. <laughs> So well, the horse is just getting beaten right now. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I thought River Rouge was a downriver school. That's when you said the the Catholic League. I'm like, I don't think they're in the No, they, it was a non-conference game oh, that was played. Cool. Well, hey, at least they got to play. Right. So we'll move to the downriver league. Hey, week two. Allen Park 34, Taylor 6. Allen Park now 2-0 on the year. Hmm. Here, Taylor 0-2. Gibraltar Carlson 42, Dearborn Edsel Ford Zippo. 42 to 0. Yeah. Cody Britt, running back from Carlson, scored all six touchdowns for the Marauders. So, and he also had five tackles on defense. Wow. So Gibraltar beat. Or no, Gibraltar got beat. No, they beat Dearborn Edsel Ford. Edsel Ford. <laughs> okay. So Gibraltar pretty much put that flea market on them. They got flea <laughs> the, the trades. The trade center's not even in business anymore. I know it's not. But Rest it's, in peace. But yeah, that's just like the parking garages, basically. It's yeah. a, a very a staple in Gibraltar. But, I mean, they pretty much flea bag the Dearborn Ford Edsel. Dearborn Edsel Ford. Is it, isn't that name of a car? No, it's the name of one of Henry Ford's it's cars, right? Well, there the was Edsel. A mom- yeah, I think I know, I know what you're talking about, but it was named after Edsel Ford, who is, I think, the one of Henry Ford's all of, like grandkids or great-grandkids. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Another shutout. Trenton 42, Southgate Anderson, Zippo. How is that? And once again, we have this discussion every – how does this happen? Like, some teams might not just need to have football teams if you're going to get that destroyed or flea-bagged. Well – for to be fair, Trenton got shut out by Chelsea last week, forty to nothing. So they go and shut out Southgate Anderson, but oh. Anderson is not really that been that good, good in football. Um, 
This was a little bit of a surprise. Wyandotte Roosevelt loses to Waterford Mott 37-14. I mean, the score of that game's not, but Wyandotte off to an 0-2 start. Was that surprising? Yeah, that is. So we'll see what happens there. They are in the Downriver League race. The DRL. Yep. So we'll now continue on to the Huron League. They opened up conference play this week. Heek. Airport over Flat Rock, 35 bagel. Airport keeps the jug in the rivalry. Shout out to Cooper Nye throwing four touchdown passes for the Jets. Wow, nice. Yep. Yep. And let's see. Riverview, little trouble with Jefferson. And 46-9. to And Riverview's just a machine. Need I say more? I mean, Jefferson kept them under 50 points, so moral victory, I guess. And let's see. Monroe St. Mary's Catholic Central is playing Grow Seal. And a little bit of Friday Night Victor's content here for you. Brody Kelms, running back from Grow Seal, was our player of the week for week one. One with his performance against Riverview, Gabriel Richard. So, and SFCC was without several players due to contact tracing because of COVID, including Cole Jondro, their top running back. Well, no Jondro? No problem for the Falcons. The law firm of Bergmoser, Birkenheyer, and Bellino, they all carry the rock as SFCC wins 41-6. to And the Falcons also took to the air, too. Oh, Mitch Kemmerling were... had a nice game throwing the ball. Is Bellino related to Anthony Bellino? Nico Bellino? I do not know for sure. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah, but nice game for him. And also Blake Birkenheyer, good day running the football. And he also had a kickoff return for a score. And then the game last night, which was basically the game of the week in the Huron League between Milan and New Boston Huron. And Milan's Cole McIlvaney was the difference. Good day both running and passing the football. They outlast Huron 27-19. Good effort from Huron, though. They were playing without Isaac Smith, who was injured. He's their star athlete, plays quarterback, can play receiver, plays defensive back, returns kicks. So game was a lot closer than I would have expected with no Smith, so... They held up well here on 0-2, and they're really going into a tough one next week with Riverview on the horizon. Woof. So. <laughs> he said woof. Yeah, that was a, that's a that's a tough loss for the Chiefs. Moving on to the Interstate 8 Conference. They opened up conference play as well. Hell, and some pretty close games. Battle Creek, Penfield 42, Marshall 40. Hastings 38, Battle Creek, Harper Creek 35, Jackson Lumen Christie 28, Coldwater 14. That's Coldwater, Michigan, not Coldwater, Ohio. Oh, I don't know what the Coldwater team in Ohio is known as in Michigan. They're the Coldwater Cardinals. They actually have a very nice baseball field, too. And then Parma Western 27, Jackson Northwest 13. That's all your I-8 action. Moving on to the Lenaway County Athletics Association. And unfortunately, we do have a forfeit to tell you about. Which one's that? Blissfield gets a win over Sand Creek, but Sand Creek has to forfeit because of COVID. So, feel bad for the Aggies because they don't get to play the Royals. Mm. They can't do a makeup or anything? Nope. There's no makeups, no time for it, so... It's a forfeit. Oh, okay. 
But other scores. Alright. How about this one? Not a surprise, but you know, it's definitely good for the team that won. Hun, how about Adrian, the Maples, out of the Southeastern Conference White Division? They played Brooklyn Columbia Central. And Adrian, if I'm if I'm I'm gonna count up see how many losses they had. They had let's see, 14. 23. They had a 30-game losing streak. That's now over. They shut out Columbia Central 20 to nothing. Hang. Definitely probably the feel-good story for the Maples. They had a team, one of their players uh unfortunately got hit by a car and passed away. And then they had uh, players out due to COVID last week, had to forfeit to Adrian Madison. And so Good for them coming back, getting a win. Columbia Central, they have fallen on hard times. I actually talked to uh, Steve Tompkins, their baseball coach. He said they just don't have the horses this year on the football field. But keep your heads up, Golden Eagles. There's better days ahead for you. So, other scores. Hillsdale loses to Berrien Springs 28-7. to I'm going to have to look and see when the last time Hillsdale started out 0-2 was. You, I've got to go back to, wow, 2013 was the last time Hillsdale started out 0-2. They still had a good year. They still had a fairly decent year that year. They went, uh, they ended up going set, ended up going seven and four for that season. But they got to figure some things out in Hornet Country. Hey, Clinton. They're just seemingly on a kill them all tour this year after they beat Manchester last week. They go and demolish Riverview Gabriel Richard 63 to 20. That was a rematch of a playoff game from 2019 where Gabriel Richard came into Clinton and knocked off an unbeaten Clinton team in the first round of the playoffs. And their coach did an epic slide at midfield. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll let you get that. Uh, Hudson, they're still rolling. They end up beating Erie Mason 22 to nothing. And pretty good day running the football for the Tigers. There's they take care of business. They're 2-0 again. And Dundee drops one in Livonia Clarenceville, 47-13. From what I gathered, there was a lot of turnovers by the Vikings, but Clarenceville, a lot more athletic and a lot more well coached than Summit Academy was. Uh, how about those Onstead Wildcats, though? Oh, this is a team that had lost their last nine games. And they finally get off the schneid. They beat Leslie 20-14. to So hats off to Dan Terryberry and company and my good friend Dylan Thompson, who's an assistant coach at Onstead. They get a win. And, of course, the game I officiated between Ottawa Lake Whiteford and Ida. Now, you, you, you do scores, but you always tell people in your Instagram story don't do the game that I'm officiating. Well, for obvious reasons. Right, right. We, right. we know we don't want you to be point shaver. You don't want to win on no Donahue's over here. Right? Oh, no. It was actually on BCSN, actually. Yes, it was. It was That a, was Thursday night action. Yep. And Whiteford ends up winning 34-14. Uh, I mean, Cole Giesegi from Whiteford, he had a big game last week against Blissfield. Another good game. Hey, 122 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Also, Shea Ruddy, their quarterback, he had himself a nice game, too. 
threw for 97 yards. He also ran for 54, mm-hmm. or including a 53-yard run that basically they gave Whiteford all the momentum, and then they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to put the game out of reach. But I think what I think Whiteford is a lot closer to what they were in 2016 and 17 when they got to the state finals in both years than what they were the last couple of years. Because they were young the last two years. years. But Jason Mensing, one of the best coaches in the county, if not not the state. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're an incredibly well-coached team. They have a really good culture there. So there's that. We'll move on to another conference. How about... Little Ash from the OK Green. There's a couple of there's actually a couple of big games there involving both teams from Muskegon. You had Muskegon Mona Shores and Muskegon playing teams from Detroit. They were called it the Detroit Muskegon Challenge. There was a suggestion from the Diesel said they should just make this happen every year and do it like at a neutral one year. Do both games at a neutral site in Detroit. Next year, do it at a neutral site in Muskegon. And it'll be fun. Well, uh, Detroit goes 2-0 in this one. Cast Tech, 49-14 over the Muskegon Big Reds. Woof. I, th- I think I actually had Cast Tech winning this game, but I didn't think they were going to open up a can. Cast Tech got a new head coach, right? Yes. Uh, I forget who it was. He replaced Thomas Wilcher, who is now at Michigan State. Oh, they opened up a can, all right. Yep, and then the other and, game... And your new term now is Wolf. And then the other game that happened, a rematch of the 2019 D2 State Championship between Detroit King and Muskegon Mona Shores. Mona Shores won the ship that year. Well, King gets their revenge. They win 40-19 to over Mona Shores. Mm-hmm. Dante Moore, her, I believe he's a junior now, quarterback. Mm-hmm. This kid is going to be pretty damn good. Nice. If you haven't heard about him by now, you will by the end of this year. Moving on to the Southeastern Conference. We'll actually go to the White Division first. As I did mention, Adrian getting a win. Chelsea, a 42-14 winner over Angola, Indiana. Jackson gets blanked by Grand Ledge, 45 nothing. Hang. Ypsilanti loses to Grand Rapids Union, 42-14. Pinckney loses to Harper Woods, 58-27. Tough loss for Tecumseh against Richland Gull Lake. That was a back-and-forth game. Hey, I was checking. I was getting Twitter updates last night. Tecumseh loses by one point. Well, that's wait a minute, t- wait a minute. Tecumseh's in the SEC? Yeah, they're in the SEC White. Oh, I thought they were in the LCAA or whatever. No, they're in the SEC White. They lose... Lose one to Gold Lake, so hopefully they can. Mount, hopefully Greg Dolson and the boys can bounce back and get it going. They got Pinckney next over in the Red Division in conference play. Open up there, Dexter forty-two, Ann Arbor Skyline six. Monroe gets there, bounces back after a tough loss to Roseville, twenty-eight twenty-one over Ipsy Lincoln. One of my basketball players plays for uh, Monroe, Andrew McCarthy. Yes, he also plays football. Yeah, he yeah, plays football, football as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. I do know young Andrew. Mm-hmm. Good and then, kid. Yeah, he is. And Selena winner, 35-21 over Ann Arbor Huron. Bedford gets a win over Ann Arbor Pioneer by forfeit. I'll talk more about that later. All right, but that's the SEC for you. 
one score from the Southwest 10. Cassopolis, they ended up losing to Niles Brandywine, 30-24. Close loss to my good friend of mine, Stephen Green, is the head coach at Cassopolis. So, moving on to the Tri-County Conference. Some scores from there. Adrian Madison, a 56-34 winner over Royal Oak Shrine Catholic. Morency puts up a 60-burger on Stockbridge. 60-41, they win that one. Stockbridge, I guess, doesn't play any defense. And <laughs> like so, a lot of teams don't play but any also, defense. But also, hats off to Stefan Wilkerson, who is Morency's new coach. He gets his first win. And last week was one to... Would have been one to forget. They lost to Hanover Horton, forty nine to six, and then Summerfield a forty to fourteen winner over Waterford. Our Lady of the Leaks. The Bulldogs are now two and zero on the year. Pittsford, the Pit of Misery, loses to Whitmore Lake, twenty to six. Nice, yeah. And then over in. How many leagues they got over in there, Frank? Jeez. I'm just hopping. I'm just hopping around, picking a few that jumped out at me Ooh, right now. Pick a few. Now, uh, Ithaca, a team I've mentioned several times. Himes, blue blood in the state. Things not going too well in Yellow Jacket Land. They're now 0 and 2 after losing to Standish Sterling. 27 to 20. And last week, Ithaca had a bomb dropped on them by Hudson. Said a bomb. Yeah, go, go ahead. Cue up the Gap Band if you want to. Yeah, I was about to say. You, Shout you, out to Capling. You, you, you doing uh, Gap Band? Yes, he's the one who put that song on in my head. Uh, I'm trying to look up to see when the last time Ithaca started 0 two was. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, this. Uh, I may really have to do some digging because. That, I don't think that even happened even when Terry Hesbrook was their coach. And, mm-hmm. of course, he ended up retiring after last season. And so I'll keep looking that up. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have it. 1996 was the last time Ithaca started out 0-2. Mm-hmm. Ouch. So that'll pretty much do it for scores from around the state. As for action next week. There's going to be a big one in the Lenaway County Athletics Association, mm-hmm. but it's not the one that I that most people would say I'm thinking of. The one I'm referring to is Clinton and Hudson. Mm-hmm. Matchup of 2-0 and teams. Teams that love to make their hay run the football. Mm-hmm. Winner of that game is probably going to be in the Catbird seat for the championship. But also next week is the backyard brawl between Dundee and Ida, mm-hmm. which I will not be at. Oh, why not? Because I have a wedding up in Pontiac that night. Oh, so you can't go to the rivalry of Ida and Dundee. This is the first time since uh, 2014 that I'm not going to be going to Ida and Dundee. Really? Why didn't you go in 2014? Um, I didn't go then because I... You know, I'm trying to think what I was doing back then. I had had something else going on, but that was also when uh, things were pretty... That was what things were... Awful at Dundee. They had coach got fired in season. Guys are quitting the team. <laughs> wow, things are things are, a lot of drama. I see things have gotten bad there, and I ended up winning like sixty-two to six, and probably could have put up a hundred if they wanted to. Sixty-two to six. Yeah, that was back in twenty fourteen. And you didn't go to that game, huh? I did. Not. But this was before you were on the Dundee staff. This was before your boy went over there. Before Bowen went over there and coach, right? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Bolin actually still would have been on staff at Blissfield for basketball, if I remember correctly. Okay, so yeah, that was before you went over to the Dundee. <laughs> uh, that's that. That's interesting. So, is that it for the scores? Uh, yep, that'll do it for your week two scores in the great state of Michigan on this Saturday, the fourth day of September in the year of our Lord, 2021. Are you forgetting something? What? The Bedford. You said you would get back tomorrow okay. on that. So Okay, well, y'all have to have you kill the music. No, kill the music. Okay, okay. This is going to be good. What happened with the... There was a forfeit, but it wasn't because of COVID. What was the forfeit for? Oh, man. And look, this is something I take absolutely no joy in bringing up. Well, apparently Thursday night when Bedford and Ann Arbor Pioneer JV were playing... Pioneer is alleging that there were racial taunts made by Bedford players towards their players. Now, I'm not going to say who said what uh, or what was said because I wasn't there. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know who said it. But one thing that I can guarantee is that Mark Garman, our athletic director, does not tolerate this type of garbage. And I know that once he and Dr. Carl Schultz, the superintendent and principal Kevin Kevin Weber, and varsity head coach John Phillips find out, there will be serious consequences handed down. I can guarantee that. And look, to anyone from Ann Arbor Pioneer who happens to hear that, as someone who is on staff for basketball at Bedford, I'm sorry that if this if this is if this ends up being true, look, I'm sorry that this happened. I don't stand for this. Nobody stands for this. It's garbage. And the people who did this need to be held accountable. First time I've Plain seen a simple. game forfeited because of it. Normally, sometimes you just go out and you battle it out. But yeah, forfeiting it, I mean, it must be serious if the team to forfeit, though. Well, this is what I have from the Monroe News. The superintendent of Ann Arbor Public Schools... Janice Kerr-Swift posted a statement on the Facebook page, which she said the decision to boycott was made by Pioneers coach Jimmy Williams, but the rest of the district's administration fully support the decision. Said The JV players said something to their coach. The coach talked to the officials and administration from, and from both school districts began an investigation. Now, I do not know who was officiating that game. I do know that Jeremy Valentine assigned the officials for that game. So this is a state. This was a statement that Swift made, quote, in the Ann Arbor public schools, we take seriously all situations involving harm to our students. And we are committed to address all situations of racism that may arise without fear. She wrote, while we understand the consequences of not playing the game as they relate to the enjoyment of September evening of football and wins and losses, we fully and unequivocally support the position of our coach to demand a full accounting of the incident from Thursday night and to take action to avoid placing our AAPS athletes in a position to potentially be treated in the same manner. We stand fully in support of Principal Lauder, the coach, and the Pioneer Administrative Team in the deliberate steps they have taken to fully investigate the matter and to stand strong against acts of racism and harm to our students. And, and, of course, Coach Phillips and Garmin have basically said, referred to Dr. Carl Schultz, our superintendent. And Schultz said that the, as of Friday night, 
the investigation is inconclusive based on the information. And so here's what he says. says, Our athletic director was notified late in yesterday's game that one of our players was being accused by one of Ann Arbor's of using a racial slur. Neither coaches or the officials overheard this. Based on the information we were given, we did a complete investigation. We're waiting any additional information they might share with us to further the investigation. And again, I know I said this, and Schultz emphasized it, says the district will take swift and immediate action if it's determined the allegations are true. But, of course, with what we have now, it's tough to determine that. So, Mm. I mean, it's pretty much... Look, it, it... Look. It's a t- it's a touchy subject for people. Yeah, I it get is, it. it is. But for them to forfeit the game, though, this has to be some. There has to be some validity validity to it. I can understand playing the football game and then making the accusations, but because you guys go by computer points now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And losing a game that affects a lot of computer points, especially if you're in state playing Michigan teams. Yeah, and of course, Schultz did go on to say that. That the varsity players were basically being punished for the actions of others because look, I, yeah, I it was a JV the, game. It was a JV game, and I'm not. And look again, I have no, I have no clue as to who said who said it or anything like that, and that's not up to me to decide. Mm, that's true, but I mean, then again, though, I, I think I also see it though as, let's face it, JV and football teams. JV and varsity are kind of together almost to an extent. I mean, let's, you guys in Michigan play JV Thursday, then varsity Friday, whereas in Ohio it goes varsity Friday, JV on Saturday. Obviously not everybody's playing both games. I mean, but you, let's face it, varsity players have friends on the JV team. Things could be said. Things get escalated. Things could have spilt over on the varsity game, which probably had nothing to do with it. You know, same incident that happened in the JV game, but you, you kind of don't want it to spill over to the varsity game where, you know, things get out of hand, so to speak, especially when it comes to racial stuff. You don't want like the malice in the palace type of situation in high school football. And, and, and that situation could come. So maybe they thought it was too heated. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna forfeit this because it could, it could get out of hand. It could. Well, this is what. Here's uh, a quote from Dr. Schultz. It says, The forfeiture is unfortunate for those scheduled to play Friday, and I would hope that in the future a more aligned investigation can take place where facts are shared to ensure that a professional and complete investigation can ensue. It is disappointing to learn that Friday's contest was canceled to make a statement regarding the treatment of Pioneer athletes by all teams and not specifically associated with Thursday's alleged incident. I am confident that if timely and appropriate communication had taken place, our teams could have participated in a game that would allow for a strong showing of sportsmanship. The one thing that is clear is that there is no place in high school athletics or any other setting for this type of behavior being alleged. Yeah, I just hope, yeah, I mean, hopefully get to the bottom of it. But to, to go to the point of forfeiting a varsity game because something that happened in the JV game. Exactly. Something tells me there was either something was said that just just out this world or there was something that happened because i usually a lot of that i mean you don't want to put down the freshman and jv kids but it's like (laughs) nothing affects varsity i mean even when we were doing the covid protocols you know you you didn't bring kids up or down but most of the time most 
athletic directors wanted to make sure that at least the varsity got to play. And if a freshman game or a JV game got canceled because of COVID, so be it. And it's just how it is. It's on the pecking order. The varsity is the most important. So for a varsity game to get forfeited because of something that happened in the JV game, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, hopefully they get down to the investigation and find out and, and penalize if it's true you know, get a harsh punishment for, for what they did because, like I said, most people aren't going to forfeit a varsity game for something that happened in JV. That, that, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty ballsy to do, especially, especially with high school football. You guys only play nine weeks, and now you're going by computer points. That, that can hurt some teams, especially if you're looking at playoffs. So, yeah. so I, I think when you're looking at the bigger picture for somebody to do something like that, Something whatever was probably said was probably really asinine and, and, and insane to say, and, and it probably fueled or boiled over to someone getting having a temper or something like that. That you know they probably said, "Look, we're not going to play your team because this could get out of hand," and they just said, "Just keep it like that." But yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, hopefully cooler heads prevail. Maybe they can work something out. But like I said, to lose a varsity game and what's really on the line for for computer points. I know Michigan, what is this, the second year for computer points? Well, this is technically the first year. Well, technically the first year that it's being fully used because last year they put everybody in. Yeah, yeah. So you start to realize when you get down to the end of the season how important those computer points are. Especially, you know, we've been doing computer points here in Ohio for years. You know, before you guys were doing, you know, win so many games. But, you know... People forget sometimes that game that you played in week two can come back to bite you in the behind when you're getting into week nine or week ten, and, and you, you know you need to know oh, how many, uh, you know we need to win this game, and so and so needs to lose this, so then we have enough computer points to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, th- that that that's that's a dicey situation. Yeah, I mean next week uh, Bedford or plays uh, Dexter. Mm-hmm. That should. That's going to be an interesting game. Why is that? Well, Dexter's back. Dexter's in the SEC red this year. They got some talent. Bed, so match but two and zero teams. Mm-hmm. Pioneer will play Ann Arbor Huron. Mm-hmm. So a little crosstown rivalry action there. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, so nice. that's that's pretty much what's coming up. Well, always with the Michigan action. Always with Friday night victors. I think somebody retweeted stuff that you guys had on my. The the guy from Ida I think said something about you. I, I heard you guys are really popular. Where in that in southeastern Michigan they really look at who's been picked from your pick, so who's going to win and everything. Yeah. Like that. So you're kind of a marked man, huh, mm-hmm. Frank? Well, I mean, I know I know that the uh, there are some in the Ida fan base that were upset. No, they were all crowing after how Ida looked in a scrimmage, and then of course. After they lose to Whiteford, they so says, "Hey, we got our butts kicked." Played it simple. Did you predict that? No, I did not. What was your season preview for Ida, though? Well, I didn't actually put a. I didn't actually put a. We didn't. I'll because Chris and Gary think that's not fair to the players. What do you mean? No. Well, I'll say if we we don't pick them to win, they're like, oh, well, I guess they don't care about us or. And then it kind of it kind of <laughs> causes problems, but you got to have that thick skin, Frank. Well, the players do, but unfortunately, you know what? We can't control how they act. That, that, that is that is that is very true. Okay. So I mean, like I said, when you get out in the public eye and you do these predictions and you write, it's 
You're not going to please everybody. I've realized that. So what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break. David should call in around 1230. But probably first, uh, probably talk about your Michigan Spartans real quick after we uh, after this segment. And uh, what your thoughts is you are you're a very happy, happy man. Well, I do have something to say to all my Spartan brethren. Okay. All right. We'll take a quick commercial break. Listen to 88.3 WGTs after further review. We'll be back. Frank's analysis on Michigan State. 